Hi, this is Sarah. Just a little warning in advance. My audio got kind of messed up during this episode. Don't worry, you can still hear everything that I say. Um, it's just going to sound a bit wonky. Uh, technical difficulties. Thanks for sticking with us and for listening. And I'm super excited for you to hear this episode. Hey, this is Sarah and Jess, and we're here to talk about why our brains are such a mess. We're just two bipolar babes shouting out what everybody is so hush-hush about. So let's get into it with today's episode. Hey, Jessica. Hey, Sarah. How are you? What's new in your life? Well, um, I'm okay. I'm still a creator living with bipolar disorder. I did some dancing today. Uh, I, I did a twerk choreography to Milkshake. Oh, nice. Yeah, so um, that was like the most exciting thing I did. Did you bring anyone to your yard? I mean, I tried. I was oh. home alone though, so <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that, that's what I, that's what I did today. Um, what about you? What's new in your life? Um, nothing much. School started today. Uh, that was a little bit of a surprise for me. Um, cause I thought it was going to start tomorrow, but oh. that's fine. Um, what about how you're feeling? How's your mental health right now? Um, on a scale of one to 10, where one is, totally depressed 10 is manic and five is stable okay I'm not a five but I'm not like but I'm not a four but I'm not a six but I feel like I'm a four and a six together does that make sense when you're like okay okay cool when you're like brain is just going a million miles an hour and you're like and then your body just feels so slow and yeah it'll feel foggy it's called mixed state, I think, or like a, you can have a mixed state episode. Hmm. Um, I will fact check that later. <laughs> Don't write in. I actually do write in. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a thing. You can definitely be, you know, experiencing two um, sides of the pole at once. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I am feeling, you didn't even ask me. <laughs> No, how are you? No, you just started going into it. (laughs) Oh my god! I'm like perfect. My four self is like, yeah, girl, keep talking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I I would say I would say four, just just a real solid four, um, because it's been really rainy, Mm. really rainy, really dark. Truly, um, been sleeping a lot, like way more than eight hours so that's kind of like the stuff that my psychiatrist tells me to look out for mm-hmm. um but like I told you I did I did do some exercise today I tried to get out of it and now I'm chatting with with you so I feel like you know I'm doing what I can totally yeah. I took a one hour nap today and yeah I feel that rainy gross mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. feeling kind of sluggish but yeah But let's get to it. Today, we are talking to one of my favorite people. Her name is Amanda. So Amanda and I are like BFFLs. And she is, well, I guess she'll tell you more about who she is and all of that goodness. Um, But yeah, she's probably one of the smartest, hardest working human beings that I know. And I'm super excited to have her on this podcast to share her knowledge and her experience. So welcome, Amanda. Thank you. Goodness. I'm not too sure how to follow that uh, intro. Um, (laughs) Now I feel like the bar is high, Uh, but thank you so much. And thank you both for having me here. I'm really excited. Awesome. Thanks for coming. Yeah. So why don't you tell us like a little bit about yourself? Like Tell us, who is Amanda? Like, what? I know who Amanda is, but for those who don't know. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, So maybe for the more kind of mundane, but also maybe also interesting uh, background of myself, I got my undergraduate degree in neuroscience and psychology. That's definitely my passion. Um, I've loved learning about 
mental health, different mental illnesses, addictions, um, and eating disorders is really my biggest interest. And actually, as we record this podcast episode, as of yesterday, I have submitted all my school applications for graduate school. Yay! (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and really big big hopes and dreams to work towards becoming a clinical psychologist to work with people that struggle with eating disorders. So uh, that's sort of my academic professional background. Um, And then in my free time, I also volunteer with one of the eating disorder foundations here in Vancouver. So again, really, really where my passion and interest lies is, is certainly in that field. And that is why you're here, girl, because (laughs) profesh is here to slay <laughs> the day. Um, I yeah, don't know. Wait, what was that? I don't know. Let's cut oh, that out. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can turn it into a blooper. I was just wondering if there was like a, like a, something I was missing. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. I literally like, that was my like fog brain. I was like, what am I going to say? I don't know. Let's okay, do it. Cool, cool, Let's cool. just, oh, yeah, yeah. So sorry. I didn't mean to call you out. I literally thought I was missing a, a, a reference. No, no, not at all. That was just that was just word diarrhea. Um, <laughs> yes, well, I mean, I'm so so happy that you're here, Amanda, because eating disorders is something I'm super passionate about as well. I think it's like linked to mental health, like in in every single way. Um, uh, most, a lot of the people, I'm gonna say a lot of the people I know who suffer um, with their, suffer from mental illness. Um, I, I also know uh, I struggle with food and um, in some cases do have a diagnosed eating disorder. And I just like, I, I feel like um, while it's been a very long journey for me in terms of, uh, getting diagnosed with like bipolar and dealing with all that stuff. Um, it's been more recent that I've been able to treat what I was diagnosed with, which is binge eating disorder. Um, I, I, in the past year or so, I, I actually was able to um, really try things that worked. And so I am so passionate and I want to like shout it out to the world, tell everybody like, look, there's a way, you know, through this, but I know it's also super complicated. So I'm very glad that somebody who has gone to school and knows their stuff is here. (laughs) Amanda, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, about binge eating, like what, what that entails. And I know Sarah has experience in it, um, but what that entails, like scholastically. Yeah, certainly. Um, Yeah, and I think that's a really good place to start as well. I think as far as defining what binge eating disorder is, um, it's essentially an abnormal pattern and loss of control in which someone would eat a significant amount of food in a very limited amount of time. That limited amount of time could be one to two hours. So the difference between binge eating disorder and bulimia, for example, Mm -hmm is that binge eating is where the food is consumed, but it's not purged. So it's sort of that intense um, amount of food consumed in an intense amount of time. And then um, the individual doesn't like restrict or purge in any way. Okay. And Sarah, how do you feel about that? um, That, that terminology yeah that definition yeah I mean like I'm 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 kind of looking at our notes here and I I think like I I definitely went through times of not purging but of restriction Mm. um that kind of would match my binge eating as so like if I binged I'd be like well now I can't eat for like the next however long or now I have to do like a lot of exercise and I can only eat this or like restrictive eating right but 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 I didn't do I didn't do any um any purging Hmm. Uh, so so I don't know I guess that I guess that's kind of lines up with what you were saying yeah I, I think with binge eating as well that's something that Um, you know, even though there may be some clear definitions that people like to outline for eating disorders, I think binge eating is a good example of how it can go multiple different ways where it can be the focus on that, um, you know, you do eat a lot and you do eat a lot in that 
short amount of time and then you don't purge. But then just as you said, it can go, you know, a different avenue where now that you've consumed so much food that you don't wish to eat for several more hours or sometimes like an entire day, right? It can look different definitely for, for individuals. Yeah. And let's talk about that a little bit. When I think eating disorders growing up and growing up around a lot of people who had eating disorders, I grew up with a lot of people who um, suffered from bulimia and anorexia. And that was kind of all I all I knew about eating disorders. So when I learned about binge eating and everything like that, I thought like there's so much more to it. And I think we, because of society and everything, we kind of limit ourselves to just like, oh, it's bulimia or, but it can be so many other things. And also I just wanted to add to that when I was growing up, um, bulimia, uh, I only thought of like one type of purging as well. Um, you know, like this is the vomiting disease or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was very curious to learn. Um, I mean, there's, there's so much stuff that was left out of our, what, planning 10, uh, eating disorder. I don't even know if we did that in planning. Yeah. Planning 10. Was it just just like one episode of the OC? I don't know. um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like you maybe could go into a little bit more detail about anorexia and bulimia as well. Um, just, just to, to fill in the gaps that planning 10 and the OC left. (laughs) Yeah, certainly. (laughs) How the government failed us in (laughs) in education. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. That could be, that'll be a different podcast episode. (laughs) Um, So with bulimia, um, so it's again, sort of kind of similar to binge eating where it is a form of like compulsive eating, um, but is then uh, followed by purging, which can look, Uh, different for many different people. So that's not just vomiting. It can be the use of laxatives or diuretics. Um, And then with these methods, that also causes a lot of um, terrible side effects. Um, So not only with the laxatives and diuretics, which has its own sort of specific set of side effects as well, but even just with vomiting, you can have dental problems, there's stomach Mm -hmm. problems, um, and over time, if it is like a rather severe case, um, you know, you can, um, you like your teeth will fall out sort of things like that. Like it can be very severe dental problems. So there's a lot of severe side effects that aren't just about losing weight. Yeah. And then we think of, when we think of really sort of dangerous eating disorders, we think of anorexia, I think, mm-hmm. um, when, when, of course, as you just mentioned, like bulimia has a lot of really dangerous symptoms too. But like when we're talking about anorexia, what exactly are we talking about? Yeah. So anorexia is, um, is definitely what I would say a scary one. This is the one that when I read sort of the statistics to it, I, Um, yeah, I'm always just baffled. And the one that sticks out most to me is that anorexia has the highest mortality rate of any psychiatric illness. So it's estimated that, yeah, (laughs) I guess let's take a pause there. Um, because that right there to me is just so shocking. Um, yeah, it's estimated that 10% of individuals with anorexia, um, will die within 10 years of the onset of the disorder. Um, and that can go again, different ways, depending on the individual case, but that can occur because the individual, um, you know, dies by suicide or they, you know, quite literally, um, don't have the body weight to sustain living. Um, and they, you know, would end up in hospital and, um, to the point where you're being like drip fed calories, um, because that's the only way the person will, will consume any sort of, uh, quote unquote food. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's like, I mean, so that's very intense. And let we're gonna put like a million trigger warnings on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I as per the usual, <laughs> as per usual, but usually I like to add like extra ones depending on whatever we bring up in the in the in the episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I. I would like to know if you feel comfortable, like I'm, I'm curious, what is your experience with eating disorders? Because I don't, 
know anybody who studies eating disorders who hasn't had one. Not, not saying that that's not a thing that happens, but if you wouldn't mind sharing, I think it would, like our listeners would really appreciate like just hearing you just know, like someone's like story. Connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Why you feel so strongly about it. Cause Amanda, you're like so strongly involved in the community. And I think that's just so amazing and so inspiring. So where is this energy and this passion drawn from? Yeah, definitely. Um, where to start, I guess, would be the question. Um, and to also not go into too many, too many rigorous details. Um, but maybe to, to answer your first question, Jessica, uh, where the passion comes from so much is from how much stigma is around eating disorders mm-hmm. um, and how it's still very, very invisible. And because, of course, food is common in all of our daily lives and it's such a common topic, um, it's very much an illness that goes so much under the radar. Mm-hmm. And with my personal experience, I think um, it, it's very, uh, in my opinion, not very stereotypical um, because, you know, when you do uh, watch movies and things like that, I find that anorexia is the most common, um, you know, kind of stereotypical illness that comes up. Mm-hmm. And so for myself, my experience was, um, you know, suffering from binge eating disorder. Uh, when I was younger, probably around the age of eight or 10, which is actually very common, especially for females to start being um, like compared and, you know, discussed as far as your weight. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of around that sort of uh, grade three, grade mm-hmm. four, where you start getting asked, um, oh, you know, you look a little too heavy or you're looking really thin, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so for myself, it started out with Uh, from a very early age being told I was very thin, that I needed to eat more, that I was going to fade away, uh, kind of comments like that. Mm -hmm. And after probably three to four years of being told that same message all the time from all of my family, all of my friends, it built this very toxic mindset and really built the foundation for my disordered eating thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, and in no way to kind of put the blame on, on everyone else, but that's, you know, that's sort of how my young mind was shaped was that I looked a certain way and that way wasn't correct. And Mm -hmm. I would not be valued or worthy to other people if I wasn't that certain weight. So that's what, again, laid the foundation for my binge eating. Um, I thought about food all the time. I wanted to eat food all the time. And I would count my calories, I would weigh myself every day, but not again, in that sort of stereotypical um, kind of anorexic, like where it's focused on losing weight, I was very focused on gaining weight. Um, And that there were sort of two key points in my life, um, which in summary, brought me to about high school, where I definitely hit rock bottom, um, was hospitalized because of it. Um, and there was, of course, many other things going on as well. Um, there always is with an eating disorder. It's certainly never, never as simple as just the food. Um, and I felt like at that point I had recovered, like I did get the help. I had, uh, support from my family in sort of a different light at that point, as well as my doctors. Um, and I felt like I had a good recovery place. So the other important piece with eating disorders is recovery is not linear, And it's very, uh, maybe easy is not the right word, but it is rather frequent that you will relapse. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe to give like more specific details, um, a relapse that I experienced was in uh, the end of my undergraduate degree. So I had to have my wisdom teeth taken out and I had the like surgery booked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know, have you guys ever had your wisdom teeth removed or had to go through that procedure? Yes. Yeah. I feel okay. like we, did we talk about this before? Yeah. I said that it was like a really good experience I, for me. Yeah. yeah <laughs> me too. Because we are, we are like Potential uh, drug addicts, I guess. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> because I took a Valium the night before and I was like, what is this drug? Yeah, I, um, I got, I yeah. was like, T3s are 
the answer anyway yeah yeah so weird for other reasons (laughs) okay okay Okay. that went a different direction that went a different direction direction, but that was that was the reason I also just to like make note I would joke around and go like oh I'm on the smoothie diet you know like I'm on the I'm on the drink diet now and which is completely which Mm -hmm. is and I was like I can't wait to see what I look like after two weeks you know, and I remember joking about that with my ex and he just kind of shrugged it off. And I was like, okay, well, I was serious about that. Um, but yeah, no, please continue. continue. Yeah. And, and thank you actually for mentioning that because um, I was sort of the exact contrast of that. I was um, absolutely terrified of having, um, I also have a weird thing about teeth, but I'd, I was terrified about having my wisdom teeth removed because I knew I, I wouldn't really be able to eat and I wouldn't really be able to eat for the next, yeah, two weeks. And that's what people frequently talk about is they're very excited to lose weight during that time. And so I had a very, very intense relapse um, where I was binging so frequently. Um, and in those early days when you have your wisdom teeth removed, like you're not, you're not supposed to eat anything, right? Like you can basically have soup or something or a smoothie, yeah. like you said, yeah. um, to I the point, ate ice cream. Yeah, or Ooh. ice cream, like like definitely like very soft, yeah. like easy to consume, like you don't need to chew, right? Yeah. Um, but to me, that wasn't enough. I couldn't just eat soup. I couldn't just have a smoothie. That's not enough calorie intake. Um, and so I was eating more solid foods to the point that I had to go back to the dentist and have my like inside of my mouth like restitched because I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and it was a very challenging year to kind of sum up my story. Um, in that year in university, I lived with five other girls. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. How, like, <laughs> <laughs> And I don't mean it in the sense of like, uh, it was a really small space and oh my gosh, I lived with five girls. Um, I mean it in the sense of five girls <laughs> yeah. and we know, we know how girls are and, you know, young twenties, all of that. Um, and I lived with five girls that all wanted to lose weight. Um, Mm. and I think this is where I'd sort of transition, um, for my story to point out how important language is, um, around, well, everyone in general and how we talk about food. Um, some examples would be, uh, kind of their frequent comments of, you know, like what size I was and how I was so lucky to be so thin. Um, so lucky that I didn't have to exercise because I would just always be this weight, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there were certain clothes that I had that they would say, oh, I didn't know they made sizes this small, et cetera, like things like that, um, that you think would maybe be simple comments um, and that you're maybe complimenting someone mm-hmm. when in fact um, that essentially further deteriorated my mental health and my mental well-being. So, okay. I was just wondering when you were hearing people say, oh, you're so thin, you're so lucky. What were you, you know, throughout your whole life mm-hmm. or you're so skinny, you're gonna disappear. What, re- what was going through your head? Were you thinking, yeah, but, but I look like a stick or like, oh, but I don't look like a woman or like what was going through your head that made you then um, become obsessed with gaining weight? probably feeling so uh devalued maybe is the right word um that my weight or how I should look um was was what made me worthy like in any sense like worthy to to be a friend or worthy to be a family member or however you wanted to place the worth um is because I didn't look sort of a certain way that um like that's just not how uh, I should be. Um, and because it was coming so specifically from immediate family and friends, um, I, I just became obsessed with it. Like I, um, yeah, I, I guess it was just really challenging to be around other people that always wanted to lose weight. Um, and you just feel kind of bullied to the point that um, there's just something wrong with you and there has to be something wrong with you, even though there isn't. Um, and I guess I would also point out at this point in my story, 
that um, I was never underweight at any point. Um, and I definitely can confirm that because I check my weight so frequently. Um, and it, it just makes for such a toxic environment to hear from everyone close to you that, oh, you appear this way. So this must be how it is. And by the way, that's totally incorrect. Um, yeah. But did you have an yeah. idea of like what correct was? Like, did you want to look like your friends who, who didn't like their bodies or did you want to look like like a like celebrities or did you not have an idea of what you wanted to look like you just knew you wanted to gain like to have to be more yeah for me it was always just about being more so about just gaining weight there was never a specific number um if I weighed myself and I had gained two pounds that like that just fed the disordered thoughts um and like that that that's what I was trying to attain so it was never um, you know, I should be 20 pounds heavier. Like it was never a specific number. It was just always every day I need to gain weight and I can never lose weight. Um, and that I think was another interesting piece to the puzzle was that, and this is probably something that still affects me to this day is when people talk about missing breakfast or just missing a meal. Um, I feel like I can never miss a meal because that means I could potentially lose weight. Oh yeah. I was going to say that's really interesting because, um, growing up, I was, you know, five foot, 105 pounds, like tiny little human being. And I was told the same thing, like, Oh, you know, it was kind of, um, you're not worthy and you're a joke of a human being because you're so thin. Like you're not, uh, like in my own case, it was, you're not growing into a womanly body. You're not becoming a woman. Like it's almost like you're not a person. Um, so I really, yeah, I really related to that when you were speaking about that. And yeah, I just wanted to share that. It touches so many people's lives, mm -hmm. even totally. people who don't have like a the disorder that takes up their brain space 24-7. Mm -hmm, right. um, I feel like most women at least think about it a couple times a day, um, like, but like not necessarily in an obsessive way, just because of the culture we live in. And before we talk about culture, I just wanted to quickly share my experience with my eating disorder because I saw, as I see it right now, we have, um, I mean, Amanda, you experienced um, people focusing on your body and you saying that you were too small and too thin and, um, and, and that you, you wanted to change that because, and it became an obsession. And then Jessica, I mean, you were saying that you were, you were thin and yet you also felt like a lot of pressure to to maintain that is, am, am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. And then a lot of pressure of like not growing into a woman's body is right. Well. That's a totally other thing, but yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's too different because then it's like, okay, well, yeah, I, I need to be thin, but oh, now I'm 21. Now I need to be thin in certain places. And yeah. Not in other places. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. And so I, I guess I, I'll, I will represent sort of the other side of things that I, my eating disorder, um, it, I, it also started when I was around eight. So that's very, that really, um, resonates with me. I, my, my mom really dislikes her body. She, I guess would be, I don't know if she'd be considered plus size and you know what, who cares? Um, but, uh, she, uh, she has, been obsessed with with her weight as long as I've been alive and every new year's resolution was this year I'm going to lose weight this year I'm going to lose weight this year I'm going to lose weight every year and um I I was also very thin but um my sister was more thin so I think my mom and and I because I struggled with so many different mental issues. I think my mom saw me struggling with, you know, just like probably at this point, like just flabs of skin, like eh, barely anything. Um, and, and she thought, oh, a friend, a friend who also doesn't like her body. Um, and so uh, she kind of saw me as her like dieting buddy. 
Um, and she also witnessed my binge eating, which started when I was a teenager. And she was so worried that I was going to gain as much weight as her sister. So her sister is definitely what we would consider plus size. Um, I mean, she's a lot bigger than my mom for whatever that means, you know? Um, and she, she said she would see me eating like a lot and she'd be like, oh, I'm so worried you're gonna end up like my sister. Like, and everybody bullied her and she, she took her so long to find a boyfriend and whatever, like it was, she was so concerned. Uh, so that's when I started doing it in the middle of the night. Uh, that was like a big thing for me because I didn't want anyone to see me um, because my mom would take away the food uh, and like would hide stuff. And that was like, a big part of my life up until like a year ago, like hiding either. Uh, I would tell my partner to hide, hide food from me um, uh, just because I felt like I had no control around it. Um, and so uh, as I got older, I just got more and more, of course, like your, my body got like bigger and um, especially when I started taking birth control or I started, and then I started, you know, taking different medications that kept changing. My body changed a whole bunch. And, and my mom knew that I was struggling with this, with, with my weight and my body image. So she would always send me diets and be like, we're doing this diet together. So, you know, or she would call me up and be like, I just discovered this new diet, like just watch Dr. Oz. And like now, so now we're going to be only eating cabbage and whatever, or now we're going to be, I, I just learned that chicory root slows down your metabolism. And I bought you like 55 or one bars. And like, this was just like a, a huge cycle for me. Or I remember she would also cut out like, like workouts, like from her magazines and send them to me like, oh, this is how you get Michelle Obama arms, like uh, that kind of stuff. And, um, and so that was like, that was a, just the thing that kind of can, it was just a part of my life. Um, and, and uh, my mom has lots and lots of reasons for, you know, struggling with the way she looks, including how my dad treated her growing up and including maybe how her mom treated her and just like society in general. Uh, and so eventually I discovered like the body positive movement and I was like, okay, I'm fine, but I'm mentally ill and I don't want to take medication. Turns out dieting is also the answer for that. So my eating disorders, like my, my disordered eating and stuff, um, it, it continued even after I thought I was body positive because um, a lot of people would say, okay, well, like there's nothing wrong with you. You just have to say like balance your doshas if you're talking Ayurvedic, but like, or, you know, there's a lot of different things like food is medicine. That's a big thing that is pushing the mental illness community, mm -hmm. um, especially the alternative uh, health uh, community. And since I didn't want to be on medication, I was like, okay, food. Okay, we'll do that. Um, and they're like, it's, you know, depending on what I was reading at the time. And this is why my, my therapist, one of the, my therapists suggested the wild rose cleanse um, is just because I thought that I was really always trying to not eat sugar. And she re recommended this to me as a good like kickstart to get rid of your addiction to sugar. Like I thought I was addicted to sugar. Um, and like, I, I read, a, I read a lot of books that told me to like cut out fruit and like have no sugar whatsoever and, and any, any sort of like fast carbs too. Um, and that that is contributing to your anxiety and your depression. And like, basically because you can't eat this certain diet, that's why you are experiencing your bipolar symptoms. The way you eat is causing it. Yeah. I've been told that. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, yeah. I've been told yeah. the way I eat is the reason I have, um, certain bipolar symptoms right I could fix my bipolar with food yeah. and I was yeah. like no I don't think so 
Okay, I'm so I, I'm I'm not glad, but I'm glad that you had you had the same experience. I think a yeah. lot of people yeah. did because yeah, it was like um and like supplements, oh supplements and food. But oh, that's so on many. another. We're going on another train here, but yeah. yeah. But I mean, supplements vitamins. and food and vitamins will cure your bipolar. Exactly, and so that is a perfect, like, little, a perfect way to hide an eating disorder. So yeah. I remember thinking, like, okay, like sugar causes anxiety, so, um, so I won't eat that. It also makes you fat. So. But, so if I stop eating it, I'll lose weight, but that's just a bonus. Like, that's not the reason why I'm cutting out sugar. Same with like fast carbs, uh, same with anything. I would be like, it's for my mental health. And then in the back of my head, I'd be like, and also you're going to lose weight. Like, you know, if, Sarah, if, that's yeah. really interesting that you say that because yeah. I felt that way about my medication when they told me my medication was like, oh, you might lose weight and you're going to be oh, more yeah. productive. I was like, oh, give yeah. me more. Oh what is this? absolutely yeah like this is the miracle drug I'm like I and yeah the the thing gives me shakes and tremors and it's the most embarrassing thing in the world but hey I'm not going to gain weight from this medication like what's the opposite of like what usually happens when I change medication so it's like oh my god and now we're talking about just body image and things like that because this isn't my medication is not food but uh yeah I I I mean it I relate there ties in yeah Yeah, so it could be medication and and it and and when it's food like amanda said food is everywhere we need to eat food like it's all sort of meshed into one um big problem and and i was diagnosed multiple times with binge eating disorder because i absolutely had it but i was once told you know if we helped everybody with binge eating disorder we'd have to help we'd have to like everybody in the world would need to help um so kind of like brushed off like you know like it this is the least problematic eating disorder you're going to be fine and of course when I'm like suicidal like yeah I guess it's more important that I like don't kill myself um but but it's only been really recently that I've been able to kind of get this eating disorder under control I would also just add in as well, because you were talking about how, um, you know, your diagnosis was essentially probably dismissed in a lot of ways and it was really uh, passed by. Um, I, my diagnosis um, almost went undiagnosed for a really long time because it wasn't the priority. Um, Mm -hmm. That was, you know, my really low point when I was in high school, that was the same thing. It was, um, the urgent issue was, okay, well, just please don't kill yourself. And I understand that that is, I can understand how that's priority number one. Um, But then I just think it's very interesting that um, I've had many experiences through, you know, the private and public mental health system where um, you don't really kind of delve more into like, okay, but how did you get here? Um, And that was sort of a frequent issue that I ran into is that I would have such, um, you know, maybe that specifically that point in high school is such a low point, but no one was asking how I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was right around the time that I was um, actually turning 18. So when I was having this conversation with my doctor um, and we were like finally discussing about the eating and whatnot, um, you know, thank goodness, like this information, it didn't get passed along to my family. I didn't want it to at that time. Um, and I just, I think it's such an ongoing issue how specifically with eating disorders, because there's so many different layers to it, you know, there isn't, there isn't Mm -hmm. usually ever just an eating disorder. There's depression, anxiety, like some sort of other illness that's going on. Um, and I think people have the stereotype and thought that it's just about the food and it's not a big deal and there isn't much to it. Just, you know, fix your eating and you're fine. Mm -hmm. So I think it goes very commonly dismissed. Yeah, I can imagine that your experience would be really um, easy to dismiss, you know, in 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 a mm-hmm. way because people would be like, "Well, we're worried about people who are who want to lose weight." So yeah, maybe, at least you're getting yeah. food in your body, right? Oh, That's yeah. what they're saying. Like, at least you're getting your nutrients. You're not gonna die because you were starving yeah. yourself. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think um, that maybe also ties into the bigger topic about how it can go the other way. And someone that's experiencing anorexia, you know, your 
um, you can be put in the situation where if your body doesn't look a certain way, mm-hmm. then you might not get diagnosed. So you yes. eat less and you eat less and you're trying to basically prove yourself to other people, mm-hmm. you know, and it truly, it's not as simple as this, but it it's a cry for help, right? Like it's someone that is experiencing such intense mental non-well-being that mm-hmm. it's affecting their physical um, aspect as well, right? So people can also because it goes uh, undiagnosed or just not acknowledged, um, that's where it can go to in a more extreme level as well. Totally. It's so important to say. It's like people who have eating disorders like anorexia are not always thin, you know? And like, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that it's okay that they have anorexia. I know that there are a lot of messages in our culture that are kind of like, you can have anorexia as long as you don't get too skinny. Um, and that's fucked up. Okay, continue. Yeah, so we're ta- we're talking about how this how this illness of yours went under the radar. Why don't you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, there were many times with close family or friends that um, it actually wasn't the focus on, wow, you're eating a lot. Like, why is that occurring? Like, it was never about how I did binge it was that they noticed I was binging, but I was still so thin. So a lot of my friends and family would say that I was bulimic because there was no way I could eat so much food that um, I I must also be purging. And there was a point where one of my family members said, well, we need to like bring you to the doctor for this because you obviously have this. And this is, you know, once you fix that, you'll be fine because, you know, that's not how you should look if you're eating that much, et cetera. So it was interesting that it went under the radar in the sense that people wanted to label it something else. Um, and kind of as soon as, because uh, at first as well, I would also like, I would only eat at night. Um, that's always when I had my binge episodes, everyone went to mm-hmm. sleep and I would just mm-hmm. like, sneak into the kitchen and eat everything. Like I definitely didn't want people to know. Um, and then as I said before as well, there was a point that I got to where I felt like I had to prove myself where I was so low that I needed to prove that I had an eating disorder, that there was something that was going on. And so I more openly um, binged in front of other people. Um, And then that's where it kind of like fed into the, oh, well, you must have bulimia because you're eating so much, but you're so thin. And everyone just suddenly became a a medical professional (laughs) and decided to (laughs) diagnose me. Um, But because of that, that's... um, it just like essentially kept getting dismissed. Um, And I think that's so much of why I think the question that you need to ask people is how they're doing. Like it can't be um, the discussion around food because for me that that wasn't even the issue. Like it wasn't about food. Um, And yeah. When you went to the hospital, what did they say? Were they like, oh yeah, we, we know how to help you. Or were they like, what? Yeah. So when I went to the hospital, it was um, not due to the binge eating. It was due to um, a suicide attempt that I had had. So it was for my own safety. Um, And because I was not underweight and I was a healthy weight, um, because at the end of the day, my metabolism was just so high that even though I binged all this food, I didn't gain weight. So it was this very vicious cycle. So when I went to the hospital, um, they had no concerns about my weight. They're like, oh, you look really thin, but you are a good weight. Um, I also remember hearing that at the hospital and pleading to the doctors if they could tell my parents that, to tell them that I was a healthy weight and that I wasn't too thin, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, again, went dismissed at at the hospital, Um, in part, too, because you feel like that maybe there isn't anything wrong with you or that it's not that bad. Um, so I, I didn't discuss it with anyone at the hospital either. So it also went again under the radar. Right. And so then when did you, when did you truly accept that it was an eating disorder? That's a hard question. <laughs> um, don't have to have an answer, but just wondering. For Sarah's sake. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a really good reflective question. I'm definitely going to think about that after uh, this recording. But I think my initial answer would be um, probably when I got the validation from my family doctor. So this was when I was 18, 19. 
Um, and I had discussed about my disordered um, eating thoughts and behaviors. Um, and I can't really explain exactly what happened in that hospital situation. I think it was just, it was a hard reset for just my entire mm-hmm. brain. Um, and that's like where I said earlier, I felt like I had recovery at that point. Um, and because it was this weird sort of passive, hey, doctor, like these are my thoughts. This is how I feel, but had the hard reset. So I think I'm okay. It was left at that. But at that time, that's when he said, well, this would be the diagnosis. Like, you know, you fit X, Y, Z criteria. Do you want to like enter treatment for it, et cetera? And just because I was of age, I made the decision not to. So um, I would say that definitely wasn't a point of acceptance. It was, um, I think this is something that happened to me, but I must be fine now. I think I'm fine now. Um, And maybe, yeah, this is kind of becoming a long answer, but maybe it really wasn't until the relapse with, um, like in my uh, university, like my third year of university with my wisdom teeth and whatnot. Maybe that's when I noticed right. um, Maybe if someone had diagnosed and said something to me when I was a teenager and like finally said something, you know, to my parents or to my family and friends, um, maybe I wouldn't have reached that point when I was at the hospital. And, you know, that's a speculation for sure, but I know with eating disorders, like, again, it's sort of that cry for help that there, there is something missing. Um, and I, I personally think that's when a diagnosis could be good and you could get the right treatment. And I also think we very much live in a world and, you know, the media where you can't really do anything right, because, you know, if you get too thin, then you're too thin and then you should be a different size. Or if you weigh too much, well, now you should be thin. Like there's never... I think it's so difficult to find healthy. Like people don't talk about healthy. They talk about a certain size that you should or shouldn't be. Um, and then maybe even when you get there, then you'll hear from a different person, a different story of how you should look. Um, oh, yeah. I think it's, it's just so common that we have this like ingrained thought that it's important to comment on weight and it's important um, to decide how people should look. Um, and also not just for other people, but for yourself. Um, yeah. So. I, yeah, I remember being called healthy by a family member and they're like, oh, wow, you look really healthy. And that was the first time I ever heard that. And I thought, okay, well, I'm binge drinking and partying and staying up all night and going to the gym full time on like an like more or less like an empty stomach. Cause I'm just go, 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 go. Um, what is healthy to you? Like I, my insides are not healthy. My insides are crying for help. Like I don't, I don't understand like what people even find healthy is. I just think like no one should comment on anybody's weight or size or anything. It's just, you never know what someone's going through. Yeah. I think the question needs to be a focus on, um, like just asking people how they're doing. Like, I don't think you can ever fairly say, um, you know, a great example, you know, as we're coming out of the holidays, though the holidays look different for everyone this year. Um, you know, when you see family members for the first time in a while, it's, it is usually the comment of, oh, you've lost a few pounds, like looking good. And that's a positive thing. (laughs) Um, and even though maybe to that specific individual that it is better for their specific health, you know, if, if maybe they were like more overweight or whatever, like if it was specific for them, that that was good, that's different, but that still also doesn't give, that person, you know, the right to be commenting on that. Because like you just said, Jessica, there's no, there's no way for you to concretely know that that's an appropriate comment to say to that person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't usually like to nitpick on, you know, what you should or shouldn't say to people. And, you know, people are too sensitive, et cetera. Cause I know lots of people talk about that. I think there is an absolute solid line that weight is just one thing you never talk to people about. And if you are concerned, um, then that's when you talk to that person one-on-one. And it doesn't have to be a conversation that immediately starts with, oh, you're looking really heavy or you're looking really thin. Ask how the person is doing. Ask about their mental health. Check in with them. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just so confused why the conversation always starts with weight and how the person looks. Yeah, totally. And I think that 
Um, if you, I know I've had people say like, oh, you've lost weight. Like, and I, I just changed my medication and, you know, or maybe I went off of a medication and I actually needed to go back on it. But then totally. suddenly when I went off of it, everyone's giving me compliments. Well, now I don't want to go back on my medication. Like, you know, or yeah, there's, there you can, maybe it's because the person is sick. Maybe that's why they've lost weight. Maybe, yeah. you know, like you don't know why someone's lost weight. So even if you think you're, what you're saying is, is positive, like a, Oh, I had a boss and he started calling me skinny mini when I was changing this medication. And then I um, changed it back because it was, it was a birth control and, and it just, it didn't work. So I changed to a different birth control. And I, so then I gained all the way back and I was afraid to go back to the job because I didn't want him to comment that I'd gained all the weight back. And so I quit the job because I was like, well, now he can never see me again because this guy, he would have, he would have commented. Um, he was awful, but it's, it's just so not something that we really are in control of most of the time. That is such a good example. Sorry, I just have to jump in there. And I think when the question was asked earlier about like, sort of why is this my passion, stuff like that enrages me and I just and I think of like this podcast episode and I'm like this is just where we have to talk about this stuff and we have to talk about disordered eating and you know how we don't you know talk about each other's like weight and whatnot like I think this is such an important conversation because when did that occur Sarah like what year I don't know like uh three or four years ago something like that Oh my goodness. Okay. So like 2017, 2018, like this is, I don't know. This is, this is not, you know, the 1800s anymore people. Like we are, (laughs) we are in this century and I just, how, how is that okay to, to talk to someone like that? Like where, where is the respect? Where is, and especially because that person was your boss as well. Mm -hmm. Um, That can certainly be its own it's Don't even the HR in me. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Where's HR Jessica, like, right? Like that's, what? you know, you certainly, <laughs> yeah, you certainly don't speak to your employees like that. That's yeah. just, that crosses many lines in itself right there, but. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah, Sarah, I'm so happy you shared that. And I'm so happy that you brought up uh, different medications and weight fluctuation mm-hmm. and everything like that, because yeah, weight fluctuation with medication has happened to me as well. And I thought that the only way I could maintain anything was through the smooth move tea. My biggest question is I struggled. So many people in my life had an eating disorder and I struggled approaching them and talking to them about it. Um, when I was scary concerned, um, how how do you approach someone close to you? I personally think that it all comes back to just starting the conversation and starting the conversation in not the sense of, again, hey, I've noticed your weight has changed or, you know, just we have to disassociate the terms worth and weight. They just, they can't go together. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you approach that person, it's approaching that person to inquire and support about their mental health and their mental well-being um, and that you know can then lead into the conversation about eating um, I think that eating disorders can be severe and intense enough that I would always encourage the person to reach out for professional help mm-hmm. um, eating disorders like I said before there's many layers to them and I think due to their complexity um, as much as it's important to be a supportive family member or a supportive friend Um, I would always encourage extra resources to come into the picture as well. Um, But I would say the biggest takeaway message would be just asking how they are as a person, not as a weight or as a notice you were eating less at dinner or anything like that. I I personally just wouldn't start with um, talking about food at all. Or exercise or whatever it happens to be that you're noticing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is some solid advice. But maybe in the sense of like, if you notice 
a change in eating or a change in exercising, like those are the behaviors you're noticing, Mm -hmm. then I would say that's not what you approach the person with, but those are the signs that you as a supportive family or or, um, friend can use as as a flag, basically. Like if you are noticing those changes, Mm -hmm. you can take that as your support to like chat with that person Um, and not to necessarily like ask about those behaviors, but that's those can be some of the signs, I guess, to, to notice those things and notice that something may be going on. And I think also to never compare. I think that's where empathy is the golden rule um, mm-hmm. with approaching anyone. It's not a, oh, you're going through this. Well, yeah, I also like went through, like, don't start talking about yourself. <laughs> you, you are there to listen. And what you should be saying is tell me more, tell me more. Like, you know, to get them to to discuss as much as they can with whatever they're comfortable with discussing, oh, yeah. but it mm-hmm. is not a matter of comparison. And I know that's a rather like natural thing to do, right? You want to discuss about, you know, someone is mentioning something and, and you can relate. So you feel like relating will, you know, maybe make help that com- person. Yeah, comfort yeah make, them. make them comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to say 90, 90, 99% of the time that that's not the situation the person doesn't really want to hear about you that's that's not what it's about so I think that it will always change how people um you know portray like how we should or shouldn't look um I think it gets a little more complex when you know potentially someone's eating disorder like it, it's not always based on the media too right and I think um sometimes it comes much closer to home Um, I know you were talking earlier, Sarah, about your sister. Um, And I know from my personal experience, like, like I said, that's something that it starts right in the home too, right? And it's sort of your values Mm -hmm. that you have within your family. Mm -hmm. Um, And for example, like my sister um, is how I was described the opposite of myself. And we've kind of gone through similar childhoods, but in very different, in very different ways. Um, And part of my experience really drew from having that sibling that was different mm-hmm. for me and sort of, you know, that natural comparison between oh, siblings. Yeah, totally. Um, and uh, when you're asking about sort of my obsession with gaining weight, um, I think it's just interesting how much of that was based within family um, because I valued a lot of, um, or at least my family valued, you know, kind of how like my sister looked and whatnot. And I felt like that was part of what I had to achieve to be valued within my family um, and how there was that comparison. So I think it's really important to talk about um, the media and social media and how all that changes so frequently. I think that's just, that's another added layer to the very, very complex um, issue that goes on because so so much of it, um, it, it just happens like right in the home as well, like at home, at school, and that's not even with media included, so... And any other words of advice, Amanda? Anything else you wanted to talk about? I think it's important, as we mentioned earlier, um, to treat it, you know, similar to other mental illnesses, that these are people, these are human beings. um, And from a personal experience with an eating disorder, uh, you feel rather not, I don't think alone is the right word, but you feel rather alienated because you definitely feel like something is wrong with you and you can't talk about it but it's also about food so there's probably nothing wrong with you and you do a lot of time questioning yourself and I personally think all it takes is one person to just look at you for who you are that you are worthy regardless of your weight and I think that's really just the message I wanted to get across um, and really talk about today um, is that yeah it really just takes one voice just someone to to truly ask just how you are doing and it can make a world of a difference yeah you can't really take mental illness at at face value because every face will look different and there's definitely something different behind it for everyone so uh, I think it's important to have podcasts like this to raise awareness and um, to really remove stigma and judgment from topics like this Um, it's kind of uh relatable in a sense to being a high functioning bipolar person oh yeah you know I I slipped under the radar like you would not believe um I still when I talk to people and meet people like people don't know and (laughs) it's something super used to be super hush hush but it needs to be 
said, because mental illnesses and um, eating disorders come in all shapes and sizes and they're represented differently with every single person because every single person is completely different. Um, and though like, and this is the perfect example. This podcast is a perfect example. And this episode is a perfect example. Amanda is a perfect example. The fact that Sarah and I have the same illness, but are completely different. That's another example. Um, you can't put a mental illness in a box and you can't put a face on an eating disorder and you can't put a face on, um, any other mental illness. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for people to hear this episode as well. Um, should I talk about the Instagram? Sure. All right, guys, you know what time it is. It is time for me to talk about social media. Wah, wah, wah. Um, that was really lame, but here we go. So we have our Instagram. It is hush, hush pod. And there's only one H. So hush, ush pod. And that is our username on Instagram. Please feel free to email us as well. We'd love to hear your feedback. And if there's something you want to talk about or something you're tired of keeping hush hush, definitely email us and let us know whether it's something we said, whether it's something on your mind, whether it's something deep down inside of you, we want to hear about it. So now without further ado, don't forget, be kind to all those around you because you never know what someone might be going through. And sprinkle love everywhere you go. Bye. Bye. Also, bye. <laughs> <laughs>